podcasting from St. Louis, Missouri. This is Functional Wellness with Dr. Allison, your information and inspiration hub for all things health, wellness, and functional medicine. Your host, Dr. Allison DeBario-Goggin, has been practicing functional medicine for over 11 years. She is passionate about finding root causes and solutions for gut health, hormone balance, anxiety, and autoimmune conditions. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Allison DeBardo-Goggin, and today we are talking about food sensitivity testing. We're going to talk about is it worth your money, your time, what you need to know about these tests before you have them done, how to choose a lab, what to do with the results, and all of the good details, plus a very special offer you for December of 2021. So let's dive in. I love food sensitivity for a few reasons. It's important to understand how your body responds to food. And it's also important to know that you don't always feel the symptoms of inflammation until there's a buildup. For example, I am pretty much gluten-free for my ulcerative colitis and my health as well. And for some reason, over the past month, I decided I wanted to start baking bread. I miss homemade bread. So I got a bread machine. I bought all of my um, special flours, all of that good stuff. And I felt great eating it. And I would make about maybe one loaf a week. And over the past month, I've noticed that I've just been getting worse and worse and worse. My pain has gone up. My bloating and my swelling in my gut, my whole abdomen has just gone so high because of eating my homemade bread. Now, this is my fault. I take full responsibility for my indulgences. But when I when I had that first piece of bread, I didn't have a reaction. I didn't have gut pain. I didn't have swelling. My throat didn't close up. So I, you know, I thought I was fine. And that's the problem with food sensitivities is that we don't always recognize them for what they are until it's too late. I also hate food sensitivity testing. I think that it, I hate it for a lot of reasons. So one, I think it's really expensive. Um, I think it's extremely restricting for people who are already restricting their diets. And I find that it does trigger eating disorders or really disordered eating in some people, especially because people who are already on this health journey find that they're already cutting out foods like me, or gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, corn-free, like how much can we cut out to feel healthy when that's probably not the necessarily the root cause of your issue? Now, I also think it's difficult because there's a lot of different labs out there. And because you're listening to this, I guarantee you the next time you open up your social media account, you're going to get ads every other post for all of these different companies. Who's the cheapest? Who's going to get to you fastest? Like, how many foods can you get on this test? And because these tests are becoming so popular and they're becoming open to people without a physician's order, we're getting labs who just aren't doing their due diligence, who aren't doing the responsible thing and making sure that they have reproducible results, making sure that they're using the right tools. And that's a, that's a big thing to be concerned about. Another issue is what, something I run into because of the tests you can do at home. You can do a dried blood spot, which is okay. It's, it's not the best, but it's better than nothing. 
But the big labs like LabCorp and Quest will not draw for the independent labs. So you have to find a separate phlebotomist or go into an any lab test now. Um, there's a lot of different situations we find running into these. The next thing about the tests that you need to know about is the, and this, this might be disrespectful, I'm sorry, but the cheap labs are using chemical foods. They're not using real food to test your blood against, they're using chemicals. So what you're getting is how does your immune system react to chemicals instead of real food, which is why I always stick with the labs that are only available through physicians and they are a little bit more expensive sometimes because they're using real food. Now, the big lab, the best lab will use real food, but they also use raw food and then cooked food against your blood. So you're getting a more accurate representation of what you're eating and you're getting a more accurate re representation of how your immune system is responding. But you can imagine that the lab that uses raw and cooked real food is a lot more expensive than a lab that you can pick up at the shelf at Target that is probably using chemical food. So just something to keep in mind as you're shopping for these things. All right, the next thing you need to know is that you need to check your immunoglobulins to see if your immune system is even functioning. Um, it doesn't happen often, but I've you know talked to other docs. I haven't had this happen to me yet, but they'll be like, oh yeah, I'll have these handful of patients and their food sensitivities came back as empty. They're not sensitive to anything, which is crazy because they're having all these symptoms. And the reality is that their immune system is either depressed or exhausted, it might be depleted, they might be taking immunosuppressants, and they don't have the immunoglobulins, that immune response to even test against. So basically you're testing something that doesn't exist in the body. So it's really cheap to run the immunoglobulin test and that measures your IgA, IgM, IgG, IgE levels. And then you can go ahead and make sure, you, and then go ahead and do the food sensitivity test because you know it's going to be accurate. Then moving in with that immunoglobulins, you need to understand the difference between what you're testing because some labs will just test one, they'll just test IgG, some will test multiple, and you need to understand what you're testing, why, and how it's going to relate to your health. So IgE is a true allergy. It can have an immediate or delayed response. Typically, we think of these ones as life-threatening, like I have a peanut allergy, I need an EpiPen, very, very serious. Now, IgG is a blood-based immunoglobulin, and this is what we look for with sensitivity to foods, but not a true allergy. What we typically think of symptoms with eczema, headaches, joint pain, digestive upset. There can be a lot of different symptoms but this is going to be the most one, common one that we run for this. Now you can also run IgA, which is more mucus-based immunoglobulin. So if you have sensitivity in your sinuses, your lungs, the lining of your gut, this is also a great panel to run for people who have autoimmune disease like lupus or RA. And then we have IgG4, which is a blocking antibody. And this is a best test for the complex patient. Somebody who has chronic IBS, Crohn's, you might be struggling with eosinophilic esophagitis, EOE, or other autoimmune conditions, kidney issues, heart and aortic inflammation, um, anyone with autism or struggling on the spectrum and wanting to help support their brain. That's a good test. 
So you can test one of these antibodies. You can test all of them. And again, it shows up in the pricing and which one are you going to test and how do you make that decision? Because they do get more expensive the more um, immunoglobulins you add on, right? The other thing that I see is in tests like the GI map, which is one of my favorite stool tests. I absolutely love it. And at the, the last thing that they have is sensitivity to gluten. But they're only testing against one protein of gluten and one immunoglobulin. But gluten actually has, I think it's somewhere between 50 and 100 different types of protein. So that test typically isn't 100% accurate. I do have people bring it to me and they're like, oh, I'm not sensitive to gluten. I can go back to eating it. It's like, well, hold on. Actually, you might need IgE, IgG, IgG4. Like this is not a live and die by test. You still have to use some discernment when you're looking at things like this. All right. I talked a little bit about drug interference as well, and that's important to understand. Mainly corticosteroids and immunosuppressants will affect these tests because you're directly affecting those immunoglobulins. It is recommended that you need to stop them for about a month, but if you're taking them, you need them. And don't, you should not just stop your medication without talking to your doctor, especially immunosuppressants, especially going into the winter. So just know that if you're taking something like budesonide or um, anything on those lists, you need to make sure that um, your immunoglobulins are at a good level before you do the food sensitivity test. Something good to know is that antihistamines, asthma inhalers, things like that have shown to have no effect on the test results for food sensitivity. So that's good. All right. When it comes to food before the test, you need to be eating a variety of foods so you'll have a reaction. So if you've been gluten-free for a long time, you're probably not going to have a test result that comes back to show you have a reaction to the gluten because your immune system isn't on high alert for it. So you do have to eat a variety of foods, different foods, um, things that you haven't eaten in a while before you take this test to show that you have a reaction. So just because a test might show up as showing no sensitivity, but you've been avoiding that food, it doesn't mean that you don't have the sensitivity. It means your immune system is called. So another thing to consider if you've already been avoiding certain foods. Candida, yeast, and mold can mimic food sensitivity. So some labs will add this on as a screening for free, which is great. So that way, you know, if you come back with all the food sensitivities in the world, it might actually be candida. And now we're getting closer to getting to that root cause. Then what do you do with the results? Now, most labs will have a, a range like zero to five. So zero is no reaction. These foods are safe. You can eat as much of them as you want. Um, somewhere one to two, it means that there's a mild reaction and you should only be eating those foods like once a week. So make sure that you're rotating your foods as you eat them. Eating the same thing every day will build an immune response, which will create food sensitivities and then start causing all these symptoms. And then foods somewhere, depending on the lab and how they range, somewhere between the two to the five. So those high reactions are going to mean that you need to avoid the food for eight to 12 weeks. Now, that's great because you're going to calm down your immune system. You're going to feel better. Your symptoms should resolve. Your immune system's going to be happy. Inflammation's going to be going away. But what do they say after that? They say, 
Well, just add the foods in on your list and one at a time and monitor your symptoms. Well, like we talked about at the very beginning, you might not have an immediate reaction. So if you have an apple for breakfast and that's on your sensitivity list, and you don't have a headache right away, and then you add in a different food at lunch and you start to feel sick, you're going to assume that sickness is coming from lunch and not from the apple in the morning. So I do think the most important thing with food sensitivity testing is going back to work on the gut, making sure that you clean up your leaky gut, you have good bacteria, you have good pre and post um, biotics, taking that fiber and the FOS, all the things that we need to be taking, making sure that you have a healthy ratio of all of your bacteria, making sure that your sinuses and lungs are healthy, all of these things. So you can avoid the foods, but if you don't heal your body, you're going to always have the same reactions. And then you're just going to be on this vicious cycle all of the time until you're stuck eating nothing. So fix your gut first. I would recommend doing the food sensitivity alongside the GI map. So that way you know exactly what's going on with your gut and why as you take a break from the foods that are causing the inflammation and go to work on healing your gut. And that way when you start to add those foods back in 8 to 12 weeks later, you're not going to undo all the work that your immune system just did to calm down. Okay, so my special offer for you is I am using a new lab. It's new to me. It's been around for a long time. So that's why we can trust the science and I've been studying them for a while, they do offer dried blood spot testing. So that way, if you're someone like me who does not have direct access to um, a traveling phlebotomist to come to see you, you don't have to worry. You can do the test right at home. Um, they offer a 96 food panel all the way up to 208. They offer one, two, or three antibody testing combos. They also offer inhalant allergens and mold and organic acid testing. So what I'm going to do in December is offer you um, discounted pricing on that. So that way you can get your testing done for a reasonable price, um, something that you can customize and we can discuss on what would be best for you. So this is for new and current patients. So make sure you schedule a free consultation with me. Um, you can do that in my website at littleblackbagmedicine.com and get started with your healthcare. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Make sure you like and subscribe. Stay tuned with all of our weekly podcasts and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Functional Wellness with Dr. Allison. If you would like personalized care and testing, you can schedule a free introductory consult with Dr. Allison online at Little Black Bag Medicine or message us on Facebook at Little Black Bag Medicine. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.